Did you know this is my dream? What? This does not surprise me. Yeah, apparently this is my dream. I didn't do it on purpose. I don't know what's happening. But like... And there's like... Okay, so you know, there's like... There's like me, me. And then there was like... Baby little me. And then there was like... Older me. We do both seem to have some versions of ourselves. Loose. Yeah, so there might be another one. And like, I don't know... I don't know what to do. I don't know what that means. Do we get them all in the same place and then, like, something happens? I don't know what to do. Kaziva, this isn't your section of the dream. Oh. But wait, if it's my dream... Oh. Wait, because this place is made of, like, a whole bunch of people's dreams. No, no. I think the, what the my thinking is is that there's a little Ziva here. There's an older Ziva here. There's you here. That's three seasons. Yeah. We've been to the autumn. Not your season. We've been to the spring. Not your season. Oh. Oh, right. Okay. Well, let's go then. And where is Calder? There is a knock at the door then. So should we... What should we do with the other yous? Speaking for myself, I really want to kill some of myself. Yeah, yeah, you made that quite apparent, son. You made that quite screamingly obvious. Thanks for pointing it out. And with that, Ziva... Your brother just completely fucking transforms into a thing like you have never seen. It has a humanoid face, but is like all ethnicities and, you know, and types and races at once, right? So it's elven and human and half-elven and orcish and from all over the world and all colors and like all varieties of hair and feathers and fur and like teeth sticking out of various that move when he opens and closes his mouth and that voice and no fucking color in any of his clothes or hair and then boom he's nari again uh did anybody else see that what just happened to nari yeah we tried to kill it earlier okay so like i think we have to go like winter right you think you're the winter season? I think you're the summer season. Summer. We could go to the winter and see what it's like. Nari, you been to the winter? What's it to. like? It's cold. Um, there's red caps everywhere. It's got some good, uh, good pubs and taverns. Um, yeah, it's 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 a wild place. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, detail wise. So, the Lady Umber ha- hauled us back here to the autumn to the, the peace conference for a reason, though. I don't think our examination is over. Well, I'm not my examination, but your examination. Yeah. Am I? Knock, 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 okay, knock. Okay, already. Knock, knock, knock. I'm answering it. Fine. When you open the door, there's a sylph there. 
And he is a male sylph wearing an extraordinarily well-tailored suit with a cloth measuring tape around his, like, hung over his neck and the pin, and some pince-nez glasses. He comes strolling in. He goes, um, time for your fitting, madam. Uh, okay. I will need the room, gentlemen. What's this outfit for, exactly? We've been through quite a few garments here, even for a noble household. It's for her wedding dress, sir. Uh, no. I'm afraid it's not up to you, madam. This decision has already been made. A lasting peace has been broken. No marriage, no peace. Not good for anyone. There's a wedding going on. Now if you'll excuse us. What is going on in my... Is this coming out of my brain? Because I cannot figure out why my brain would come up with something like this. Again, it's not really your brain. You're thinking too individual. Right. Okay. Okay. So this isn't real, right? It's like, it doesn't really matter if I do it. <laughs> oh, wait. No, it does. Ugh. I'm not pretending to understand. I just know that we just got fucked. Yeah! All right. You out. And I'll just point at the sylph and uh, get him to leave. And if he doesn't leave in a hurry, I will pay presents him out. How oh, very obtrusive. And he leaves, and the door closes behind it. All right. They're probably still listening in and all everything we say anyways, but I think it's time we planned some, uh, some misbehaving here. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get married. Like, I don't want to leave here and, like, let everybody, you know, just, like, leave everybody to, like, get killed or whatever I would maybe this is feel bad I don't know before we jump to conclusions here first of all arranged marriages sometimes work out very well I know you don't feel like being married but what happens if it was the right suitor yeah but like I was already dating somebody like we just had a big fight before I left but that doesn't mean we broke up I mean how are they gonna feel Oh, sorry, I went off to, like, this whole other plane of existence and got married. You know, shit happens. Well, yeah, but it's a marriage of the dream. Well, I mean, I think so. Because it's still real. Like, it's another plane, but it's still, like, a thing. And the problem with, like, a wedding is that it's, like, an, an agreement. You make agreements. You make promises. And stop. So, we have a lawyer for a reason. Yes, I, I'm, I'm not exactly up to speed on the wedding, or more importantly, perhaps divorce proceedings of the Fae. Screw that. Just write up an agreement that makes it possible for her to do whatever she wants when she's not here. Oh yeah, we have to have like a prenup or whatever. A prenup? Exactly. And uh, it also remains to be seen, they did say, if we agree to be forced into this proceeding of whatever sort, that there are six potential suitors for you to 
choose from in some way arbitrarily you see fit, perhaps setting ridiculously impossible challenges that may further other ends of our own? Oh, yeah. What if I make them, like, go and find the other me? That would entail agreeing to this process, however. They may succeed. Yeah, Yeah, but that would just be one step. Right now, this is uh, simply a suggestion in the legal sense. Well, I know. It's just, like, the truth is I have to, like, you know, consider in the end that it would, like, actually happen. I don't even know what married people do. Ugh, it sounds so weird. In my experience, uh, send private investigators and divorce lawyers after each other, but I have a skewed experience. Yeah, mostly I see either people who are like super happy to finally be apart from each other or like super sad to be apart from each other. So, I It's neither of those parties tend to involve lawyers, so. That's true. And, you know, if my, like, spouse pisses me off enough, I can just, like, murder them. Now that's the spirit. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I look around like I'm being, you know, I look around because I, you know, I know that we're being listened to and I'm like, I'm totally kidding. Perhaps not. People who are murdered stay dead. That's what a murder is. It's killing somebody so that they will stay dead. You have many far more satisfying options than simple amateurish murder, Ziva. Which is exactly why she said she was only kidding. Your imagination. Your imagination, madam. But just uh, that's, that's my point. You have much better options than near murder, right? You can, you'll murder them if you like them. If I want to get it over with quickly. If you don't want to draw it out. Yeah. A necromancer could set some quite quite challenging demands from her suitors, perhaps. Perhaps not all of them, perhaps very few, or perhaps none of them could potentially survive what you set forth for them. Yeah, but I don't want to like marry a zombie. They're kind of they get all fully a party and it's kind of gross. And then otherwise it's like hours of bombing and like I have better shit to do right now than bomb, especially when I'm not getting paid. It would, however, utterly assure your dominant position in the relationship. That's true. They would totally do whatever I wanted, which would be awesome. Paperwork would be so simple. I mean, it would kind of be awesome. It'd be kind of boring. Whatever. That's why you have, like, a mistress or whatever, right? Isn't that a thing that nobles do? Don't they, like, yes. have affairs and stuff all the time? It's expected. Well, you know, when you have to have an arranged marriage... You find what you what, what excitement you can outside of it sometimes. It just sounds like getting back at them for me anyway, but yeah. Just for the record, I, I am opposed to this marriage, full stop. Whoever, uh, whoever it is here, I don't have the final say, but 
Well, so am I. But I kind of... Okay, so should we... Should we uh, stop considering the, the minutia of the marriage if we're opposed to it in broad terms anyways? Yeah, but I kind of feel like we'd be more screwed if we don't go through with it. From the description, it sounds like they'd be more screwed. But I don't know if this loops around in some way to affect us in the end anyways. I don't understand anything. She just leans on Nari's shoulder. Hey, guys. I know that this is out there. And I'm not saying you should marry anyone. I was just saying, you know, there are worse things. Okay, so let's go. Let's go see who these options are. Are you considering getting married? Because if I you don't know. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. No, that's what you're supposed to do according to that crown, your grandmother. Oh, right. Of course, grandma wants you to get married. Ugh, isn't that like all grandmothers want that? Okay. But does she really want you to get married because she's really you? Right. Which would mean that then no. It's like, I don't really want to. Do you want to marry anybody, Ziva? Really? Ever? I don't know. I don't. Good. Well then. Then why would she? Then why would why would she agree to that if she's Ziva and Ziva is this? Then she must have known. She must have remembered that Ziva is against this sort of thing. She must have known if she is Ziva at some point from some future point. Then she must have remembered. Unless. She did this because she knew that Ziva would figure it out. If you did this to yourself, Ziva, there must have been a reason. Okay. I'm trying to force myself to do something I don't want to do. Why would I do that? Well, usually when my mom forced me to do stuff I didn't want to do, I rebelled. Right. So am I supposed to do so I'm supposed to do the opposite? And just like tell everybody to fuck off and run the fuck away? So there's this whole thing laid out on the table. Outlying uh, you know, outlining who all of the various nobles are and uh what's been going on. And what you've gleaned is that since Count Crimson has been lying siege to the Violet Vicomtesse's lines. Uh, she is the most eligible bachelorette in all of the dream, and Count Crimson will have her for his own or die in the trying. However, there are five other suitors. Any one of these nobles would be happy to accept her hand. There is not any particular gender bias in this either. They're all eligible. Welcome to Runelanders, the world's greatest curated 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, a retro futuristic fantasy epic. We've got a style and a sound all our own, but before we get too much further into it, I think now is a good time to mention that it's no coincidence that our logo is a big red R. So, I understand that this show contains adult content in the form of darker themes, references to drug use, sexual content, and coarse language. Now, 
We don't beat these topics over the head, but we don't shy away from them when they come up either. We use a fairly robust set of safety tools when recording these adventures. This is yours. Use your judgment. If that sort of thing is your bag, well then, sit back, kick back, chill out, and relax. And as you prepare to lend an air, dig, if you will, this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Will they remain merely outlaws, or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you... But it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, Runatics, and let's roll. The uh, paperwork is all filled out and the bribes are all fucking paid. And finally, Miriam is up and about and can receive visitors. So you bring her the bag that you went back to her place to get for her and go into the late night mortuary, which is the only place that's open at this hour since Ziva's out of town. And there's Miriam. She's wearing, like, the clinic gown, and she just looks like shit. Her hair's all scabby and shitty, and she's got, like, that spatter up the side of her face, because they got her pretty good. Well, thank God for insurance, huh, Dee? You have no idea how glad I was to find out about it, Mir. Well, you know, it's not like I didn't see it coming, I gotta tell you that, really. It's, um... In my line of work, you tend to get a lot of jealous husbands. That insurance, resurrection insurance, I'll tell you, Delilah, worth every penny. Anyway, that's the good news. What's the bad news? Honey, whoever's got Ursa has her somewhere with a lot of copper. I can't find her. Like, I can tell you she's not in the West Meadows. And I can tell you she's not in Old Bailey Mina. But other than that, I can't find her anywhere in the city. I know who's got her. And they've got a lot of enemies. Right. Now, see, I, I kind of saw a couple of flashes of this. You're going to go nut Galio Despard for this. Right now, you're going to go and feed him his, his tackle. I can, I've seen this a couple of times. And I know that you're mad. And I know it's a small chance, but could you possibly, maybe not tonight? I like you, Delilah. You're one of my best customers. And I generally don't work for free. And you got me shots. That generally means that I trim my client list, see? Could you just not tonight and I'll look the other way too? Well, I'll pay you for this one, Mir. W- will Ursa be okay? 
if I wait until morning? Well, I can tell you she's not dead either. I mean, I looked fucking everywhere, Lila. I've made a few new enemies tonight myself. Uh, your shooting has been avenged, for the record. So tonight I can go home and make sure my girls are safe. I don't think you should go there either. They know where that is. You want to go to Mithril Meadows Tower, level 208, apartments 308, 309, and 310. Thank you, Mir. I owe you. We're going to call this one square, but four appearances and give it six months, Delilah, okay? You know I can't be seen to be soft on anybody, and that is a pretty hard and fast rule. Because it's you, six months, people will see why, but I gotta be mad for right now. Okay, Mir, you be mad. Uh, does she look hurt at all? Physically? No, she's tip-top. She looks like her hair needs a good wash. She could probably use a bath and some tea and a good massage. But, uh, apart from that, physically, she seems all right. She shook, but then she just took both barrels of a, the, you know, 10, or sorry, 12-gauge buckshot in the chest at no range. And you're told, you've never experienced it yourself, but you're told that death is quite a harrowing experience. Delilah leans down and kisses Mir on the temple and murmurs something and can at least clean her up using prestidigitation. And there's a little pulse of warmth where your lips touch her temple and she there's a sharp intake of breath and a slow release. And she's like, oh. And with that, she like kind of shakes her hair and you can hear like the crick in her neck and all of the filth falls out of her hair and onto the sheets that she's laying on. She's like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. That's the absolute very least I could do, Mir. Yeah, but your most of your efforts are going to be spoken for for the next little while now. Um, you know I love you, but... And she raises her voice to a shriek. Get the fuck out of here! If I see you near me, I swear to God, I'll have Thrasher twist your fucking head off. Get the... Security! Security! And the tired-looking orc in the, in the hallway comes in with no speed and looks at you with those yellow eyes, raises one eyebrow, and looks at the door like that. Fortunately, while Mir was yelling, Delilah had a second to compose herself. So by now, she's wearing that face that people wear when they're trying so hard not to cry. She sticks her nose in the air and stomps out because if Mir doesn't want her around, well, she won't be around. And so she isn't, and soon she is on the buster, rattling around the city. There is no sign of Ursa. You pass right over the Iron Fire on your way to somewhere. And look, because with the practice die, you can always spot your house. And if the light is on, and if someone's home, a light is on, but there are no lights on at your house. During the ride, she pulls her spell phone out and texts uh, Tiki and Luca about feeding her crows, which don't exist, but, you know, that's what they say when. They mean don't come home for a few days. Tiki responds with, sorry, but I ain't got the fish. 
And Luca responds with, oh, sure thing. X-O-X-O-L-O-L. The brainless voice means that Ms. Luca is hiding out with some very big, very strong, not so bright fellows that owe her a favor. There are a bunch of goops that she has wrapped around her fingers because they think she's just the most precious little thing and needs their needs them to save her all the time. She gets them to do shit you couldn't pay mercenaries for. But she plays the dummy the whole time. One of their own, you know? Lila remembers those days. She didn't have the temperament to stomach it for too long, though. Luca keeps these boys well supplied with, you know, oh gosh, hero worship and that sort of thing. They just adore her and she hasn't, you know, she, like I said, she has them all wrapped around her. They, none of them know a goddamn thing about her and she gets them to do anything she wants. It's not your bag, sure, but still quite something indeed. The comment on the fish ain't got the fish. Well, that is Tiki saying that she's holed up in Farshell. North Shore, the residential neighborhood, is also, like, that coast, is also where all the fish farms are. It's the best underwater terrain for the fish. They like it better. That sort of thing. It's really good for farming kelp on the other side of the firth. And so, ain't got the fish, but I got lots of kelp. She's in Farshell. They are safe. That sets Lila's mind at ease at least a little bit. She tucks her phone away and settles in to watch the city. There's a, uh, there's the train rattles on to a stop. The doors open, close, nobody gets on. Goes to the next stop. Doors open, a woman gets on with her son. He's about 13, she's about 35. They are both human-esque. Long hair, like eyes at the floor. The anonymous humanoid people that are everywhere in Bailey Mina. They get off a couple stops later. The train comes to a halt in Hudson's Bend. Last stop, this train will be leaving service after this stop. All passengers must depart at this location. And the doors all open and all the cars kind of settle onto the tracks. The passenger departs as instructed. The doors all close and you can hear the clicking and the the slow clacking clicking of the trains on other tracks. This Hudson's Bend is one of the end point stations um it's where they take the cars off the locomotive and bring them in for maintenance so this particular train is taking a couple of weeks off while the techs tune it up evidently but here you are hudson's bend there's all there's all these neat little houses all along the shoreline of the firth huddled up here amongst the hills that rise from the shoreline to the foot of the mountains in the east. Little lawns and flower gardens. And, you know, the sort of place where 
cats would frolic in the gardens if the pixies weren't so goddamn dangerous. And so cats tend to pick the pixies off through the white picket fences. It's uh, a dance as old as time, you know? Well, Lila's been given a destination by the only diviner she trusts, so she may as well start making her way there slowly, of course, and circuitously, but still. So you make your way down the street until you can find yourself a taxi stand. You wait by the taxi stand for a minute and, uh, you know, the, there, there's a couple already waiting there. And he's human and she's uh, direish by the look of her because she's like head and shoulders taller than he is. And he's got his head craned back. He's looking at her. He's right in love with her. And she's, you know, oh, gosh, you little guy, you know, you're such a cute little guy. And he's like, just, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. And it's really kind of. A little bit, a little bit too much, you know, like teenagers. But a cab comes by, they get in and go off. And a couple minutes later, another cab comes by. And this one is a gig with two ostriches, which takes you out of the, this gaslight, this gaslit, gaslit district. Hudson's Bend still has gaslights. Some of the others, well, they have thermoelectric or hydroelectric lights. Um, the gas lights are becoming a thing of the past and this as you know progress marches on and it's interesting to note how different the light is from the electric bulbs like you don't know when they took over in Iron Fire but they did and the light is colder not as you know nourishing anyway the cab takes you to the nearest Buster Skycar station, where it divulges you for the princely sum of four silver dollars. And uh, you then begin to make your way up the tower to catch the next Skycar. You lift it up through the clouds, and as you crest the clouds again, like there's the burst of fireworks in the whole fucking sky, Delilah. There are. 80 billion stars. Every single one of them. They're all glittering. To say nothing of the belts, you can see the belts clearly tonight. With those rings that circle the whole world and glitter in the night sky. You've been told about them, and you know, you can see them better on some nights than others than this one. Man, full crisp definition. Amazing. The world from the sky. And this is how people see this all the time. When the car stops at the Mythical Gardens Tower, you estimate you are somewhere out in the Firth itself, probably on one of the larger stone islands. But you are far above the water. The doors open with a sigh, and you step out onto the platform. There is a concierge there. Good evening, madam. The buster rattles off, and this time you get on it. No problem. It's two stops to the sky car. And when you get into the sky car, it's just you and the night security watchman who sits there, neat and pressed in their uniform, 
twirling their baton idly while they kind of eye you out of the corner of their eye because, you know, you look pretty beat up. What an evening. Um, Shakir would... <laughs> Once the buster gets moving and he knows it's just him in there, um, he will not really shut down, but just kind of go inside, replaying everything. What could he have done differently? On the one hand, he knows what would have happened to Delilah if they'd have just gone their way, but at the same time, what he did cost him his friend. Hey, buddy. buddy. Hey, buddy. Buddy, are you, you okay? You look up and it's the watchman. He's kind of got his truncheon down into the side in a carefully defensive posture. And he's approaching you with his other hand out. I am all right. You a vet, chum? I am. Venato, huh? Among others, yes. Tough motherfuckers. Thanks for your service. I was, uh, I did admin uh, out in the islands. Not much. Just some guard duties, watching the clerks, you know. I I never did get into the shit, so... I gotta say, you guys, my hat's off to you. Looks like uh, you had a rough night. Want me to call you a cab when you get off the... Wherever you're going? This is the buster, chum. It's no place for thinking. Uh, I'll get by. It's not far. Well, at least have a shot here. Calm your hands, man. Look at them. Thank you. But I do not partake. It is... It will pass. As you will. And as you look out the window, you... Like this... The, the car breaks through the... Mist and clouds, and of course, it's the weekend, so some assholes are launching fireworks up through the clouds to harass the people in the towers. You look out the window, and the scene fades to black. And when it fades back in, the cannonball just takes out the side of that fortification completely. You are full of slivers and smoke and dust and shards of rock, and you are probably... No, you're not even hurt, Shakir. Not even a toe is bruised. However, you seem to be laying on something that is wriggling and fighting underneath you. You have it well pinned under your weight, but uh, it's pushing pretty hard to get out. Fortifications. You're on the fortifications again. The fucking cannons. They're firing the cannons at you. Jeez, you almost ran completely into that. What the fuck is underneath you? As you roll off, this angry gnome jumps up. goes, fucking thank Thanks for... What the fuck, man? Took you long enough. You okay? Shakes, are you okay? And when you look at him, it's the Watchman again. So, uh, listen, bud, I think I better call you a cab. Uh, yes. I, I think you should. 
the uh, the butler meets you at the gates, of course, and you know leads you across the across the tower um, to your apartments, which have a nice westerly look. You can see the sun setting on the western ranges. It's quite lovely most of the time. Right now, it's just the sea of little dots of light, and uh, your apartment is well appointed and a kind of orderly mess that only soldiers have. Which is to say, we can all see that it's not cluttered, and we can all see how spartan your tastes are. Very military. That is definitely an Akkodian campaign mask. But you belong to a Hyperborean army, so... I mean, anybody who knows anything about Akkodians, admittedly, a vanishingly small number of people around here, would probably be able to guess that that's an heirloom. It's yours given to you because you are the oldest son. But, I mean, you didn't really earn it. You were supposed to do a trial when you were 13, but you didn't even get to a Codier until your mid-20s, right? You are, for all intents and purposes, Hyperborean. You've grown up here your whole life in the Catholic Empire, more or less. Your sister remembers a Codier better than you do, and she was just a kid when you left. All the same, like, uh, you know, it, it isn't, well, it, it isn't cluttered, but at the same time, you haven't done the cleaning in here in a few days. Shakir will make his way over to the one probably pristinely kept area in the apartment, what passes for a work table, um, everything in its place. He has the whetstones that he uses organized with complete precision. He would take out his sword, set it down, unsheath it wipe it down, oil it, do all of the maintenance. And he goes through the ritual because he doesn't have to think while he's keeping up his sword, and that'll let him process a little bit. Not thinking on what he's doing. His eyes are far away. He's, his mind is the blank that happens with long practice as he puts a razor's edge on that sword, polishes the nicks out of the blades. And then, with equal facility takes the pistols apart and reassembles them. The last thing is the clicking of the cylinders as he puts them back in, snaps them closed, and when the weapons are all clean and sharp. Uh, his pistols, as well as the the revolvers that, uh, that were Dugan's, uh, he does unstrap the, the holsters from his leg, notes that he probably needs to have them altered in some fashion if he's going to be putting new weapons in them. The revolvers are not going to probably fit the same way that his do. Um, and once that's done, then he can practice with them so that he can draw them smoothly. The last scene is from outside. The big rectangular window lying on its side. The work table is lit. It's the only light in the apartment. And there, from out in the sky, we can see Shakir put his weapons down set his elbow on the desk, his forehead on the on his elbow, and as the camera fades out, his face grimaces as his eyes screw shut. There is another interruption, Ziva. Another knocking at the door. Nari, Arabet, you both hear these things. I am about to lose my fucking mind. I will wave with my mage hand and open the door. Alright, it's that 
flower bearded fairy from earlier. That sylph Hi. or Boggart or Nixie or Nyad or one of those forest folk people that you never bothered learning about because really you're a necromancy major, right? Not ethnic studies. You know all about the plight of the fae folk in the in the empire. No need to spend thousands of dollars getting a degree about it. Or so I thought. Or so you thought at the time. This clearly hasn't been the way of things, but this flower-faced fellow is standing there. He's got his hat in his hands, and he says, "Well, well, mum, I've uh, we, the work is complete." Okay. He's not the same as he was, but uh, he will make it. I buy two of the two of the finest um, technicians in the land. One of them is here to explain to you how he fixed him. But he's right this way and he'll be waking up soon, so you might want to be oh. there, man. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Come on. Yeah, I'll take a look. I'm with her. Alright, so you trail down the long gallery hall of Violet Villa and the statuary, which has until recently featured somebody who looks almost, but not completely unlike Nari, seems to have changed somewhat. The features have slicked off the busts and all of the lewd paintings and, you know, like everybody in the paintings is, is pneumatically charged. They're all very muscular and curvaceous and you know, this this laughing figure is, you know, striking heroic poses with beautiful women clutching his leg. And now these these have uh, started to fade in feature and detail, and the figures in them are starting to look a little gaunter. As you trail down the hallway, he leads you into what looks like a big bedroom, but when you open the door, has actually been converted into a workshop. Within, the light is very cold and sterile and sharp. It emanates out of the air itself. You don't see any fixtures or light. Huh. Interesting. And there's tubes and bottles and beakers and bubbles of all kinds. And standing there in the room is a tall, thin, very wiry, very muscular... Red cap. He's wearing his cap, of course, so only his big yellow eyes are visible above his football-stitched teeth on his football-shaped head. And like every other red cap, he appears to be made of elbows and muscle and boots and teeth and big smashing fists. But uh, this one doesn't look like he just came from the fight club, like most of the other red caps you've seen. The flower-bearded fairy stops and goes, um, um, Mr. O'Brien, if you, if you, if you have a minute, please. And the red cap looks over and, uh, sweeps you up and down and goes, hmm, you're herself then, hmm? Yes. Well, my name is O'Brien, and until recently, my partner and I were in the employ of Count Crimson. Oh, I see. <laughs> We've been hired away to this project, which I must say has been quite overwhelming 
but not too much. Nothing gets past the red cap mine, you see. We're all... Anyway, I am O'Brien. Did I mention that? It's nice to meet you. I've done a few repairs to your Trigon. Thank you so much. Um, would you like to see it? Please. Alright, so he gestures over to the table where you see these mechanisms, right? They're mechanical people that can be designed to do a bunch of different things. Like, it's it's that, it's that engineering trying to compete with magic is what it is, right? It's trying to make a zombie without using a body because ethics and bullshit. It's not a fine art. It, it's golemry is what it is. It's Anybody can do it. Any sorcerer build a golem out of dirt and smash a village with it, right? It's one thing to do that and quite another to have their ancestors do it for you. But anyway, no sign of a dragon anywhere. Just this mechanism laying there on its back with a red window glowing in its chest. Hey, Nari. Hello. There have been some long nights passing through winter, trying to stay one step ahead of Gallo Glass and Kern. You've had to be more people in, well, how long has it been? 17 years? At least 14. But anyway, more faces in the dark of the night than you've come across. Sometimes it's how you kept yourself sane. But you've never been able to make these mechanical faces. And that's... You know, these things, you see them all over the place in the dream, but they're not a real thing, right? People are obviously dreaming about them, so... Yet here this thing is on the table, seeming as real as everybody else. Lights come on just as you approach this thing. Arabet? Yes, sir. There's a trap on that table. You are fucking sure of it. Roll perception. Six. Is that a Jacob's Ladder? Because this place is full of amazing shit. This place has got to be dangerous. Nari's walking over to this table and, you know, there's a chunk you whip your head over and kind of knock a beaker off a shelf, but you're Arabet, so, you know, you stop it from smashing with the top of your foot and flick it up into your hand. And by the time you focus over, you see that the uh, red light from this window in this frame's chest has begun to leak out of its eyes. Watch out, Nari, watch out. So, as you can see, my partner and I had to do a complete bodily prosthesis. Your dragon's name was Calder. Is Calder, sorry. Right? Yes? Well, we've had... It's safe. I, you don't look happy. I'm confused. Well... I was brought in and told to save him by any means necessary. Red iron is a hell of a thing. And I should know. Wow, I can't believe you you did all of this. This is incredible. Nothing's impossible in the dream. And you're the Violet Vicomtesse, the most eligible bachelorette in all of fairy. If I wasn't a common man, well, I'd pitch my suit myself. That's very sweet. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing this. Calder, are you okay? How how are you feeling? And she she'll put a hand on his arm. Analyzing sorceress matrices. Half elven female, 38 years old. Designation Ziva Heather Hulu. Status. 
close ally. So my eyes will flick open and my head will slightly faster than is comfortable for you will uh, quickly pivot and uh, suddenly I'm making very direct eye contact with Ziva. You, you are a necromancer. Changeling, genderless, designation, Nari. You are, you are a lawyer. Human male, age, 33. Designation, Arabic. You are a thief. Indeed I am. Do you know my name? Of course, your name is Arabet. Well, that is the name you prefer. You have other names. And the bar fills up in your vision quickly. And suddenly you can feel everything. Not the same. You can feel things as though you were in a thin layer of wet leather. If that makes any sense. Um, hello? What? Why are you all staring at me? Look down. I look down. Your hands have two broad fingers and one thumb. They're about five inches across the palms, and uh, you can see that between plates of what appear to be copper, violet-tinted copper, there are vines and wooden fibers mimicking muscle. In the bottom left-hand corner of your vision, there is an ongoing display. Engaging reconfiguration mode. All you, Sean. Go ahead. You see me sort of open and close the hand uh, with a, a very artful and sophisticated raise of an eyebrow. Or absolutely no expression. Depends on what side of the, uh, of the eyes you are. And uh, then I quickly, oh, I look down a little bit more and I, I, I tap, tap where my heart is. What happens, Adam? There is a, uh, like a tink, tink, tink on the, gl- on the glass. And then the unit falls back into your chest cavity. While your human-shaped pectoral plates collapse into a longer, wider, more draconic form. Your shoulders shift up and out, and the scapula plates on your back unfold to become splendid mechanical wings. The knees bend backwards, the feet reconfigure, your hips your hips shift to the side, and a long, broad tail is extended from the base of your spine. Your neck lengthens, and your mechanical hockey helmet looking head reconfigures itself into something a lot more draconic. Your arms lengthen, your fingers likewise grow another set of joints and the talons that proper hands have. And with a grand exhale of heated water vapor, there stands before you what appears for all intents and purposes to be your friend, the Iron Dragon, with no metaphor whatsoever standing between him and his nickname. Oh, that's so much better. Fuck, dude, you're cool. That Jacob's Ladder effect, as the 
jaws close, you can see those strips of electricity, those little arcs running between the silver teeth. I'm not sure what you mean, Arabette. Everything appears to be of normal temperature. Okay, I take back the cool. You are something else. Oh, uh, yes. I don't think anyone's ever called me that before, Arabette. Although I suppose I've never looked like this before, have I? Ziva's been standing there with her mouth hanging open, staring at this whole transformation the entire time in awe. So as you can see, there have been a few modifications. I wish you all the best of luck in finding a mechanic to maintain that frame. But as uh, the fee has been paid and there is a debt outstanding between my partner and your man here, then I'm afraid our business must be concluded. Good day to you, madam. You are more lovely than your reputation says. And with that, he bows deeply, and the big floppy red cap like flaps back over his head and dangles down so the tassel just brushes the floor, as is courtly and proper. This guy's got some manners. With that, he walks out with his big iron boots clanking all the way out the door. Leva gives them a proper curtsy. Uh, as he's heading out, uh, Calder will say, I'm sorry, my good man, but uh, I have no recollection of a financial obligation. Hmm. Well, you can meet me to discuss it at the Fifth Street Automat if you want. But until then, I really must be on my way. Have a good day. Keep up on your maintenance. Uh, once again, I'm O'Brien. Good day to you all of you. And then just as he leaves, Calder has a little shudder, like... Uh, but you know when you uh, realize that you don't know where your phone is and you start patting about for it? And uh, he says, Oh my, where, where's the thumb, Where's my thumb on cabulator? I look around. It's inside your chest cavity! <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> O'Brien. The red cap stops. You can hear the clanking of his boots like as he walks down the hall. There's no stealth with these guys at all, right? They just aren't quiet, except for when they're buried in hip-deep snow in the winter, in the forests of the winter, evidently. Probably why they hang out there so much now, come to think of it. It makes sense, Nari. It's the only thing today that's made any sense, Nari, but that makes sense. O'Brien, um, obligation, um... Money, uh, what do you need from us to uh, maintain you as, say, a mechanic? Well, I'm afraid that I have an oath brother named Doyle, whom you've mortally offended, and he finds it necessary to kill you in satisfaction of that. And so I'm afraid that until you and Doyle can come to some accord, there's nothing really I can do. An accord? I think we have an accord, do we not? I'll send him by and you can hammer it out. In the meantime, there is no bad blood between you and I, friend Dragon. If you'd like some tips, I usually spend my leisure time with the drolleries, the Fifth Street Automat. I shall be sure to attend to you there. Now, if you'll excuse me, this place is quite a bit more 
Seely than I prefer. Good day to all of you. As he trots off, uh, Halder turns. He doesn't seem as uh, worried as he was before. He says, Ziva, look at this. Okay. And he uh, outreaches his uh, left arm in front of her. And uh, then what looks like a, a panel slides back. And you think you see the Thalmon Cadwin. Oh, it's like right in there. That's so cool. You have no idea. I don't even have to read it. I just know it. What? That's what's that's what's reading out in the bottom corner, bottom left corner of your vision. Aha! That's amazing. I don't know who that red cap is, but I suspect we want to keep him close. They want me dead. Yeah. We have certainly overcome greater problems in your interpersonal affairs than a simple duel, friend. Why do they want you dead exactly? Oh, he's the red cap that I killed the other day. Normally that settles things, but I guess the vendetta only ends with your death. And what the fuck is his problem anyway? You know, I really don't know. Are you sure? Because he does not fucking like you, man. Well, like hate. They're, you know, the same coin, you know, different sides. Best take a meeting. Good evening, madam. Good evening. How may I direct you? She tells him what Miriam told her. I mean, the numbers part, anyway. Would you like me to ring ahead and tell Master Shakye you'll be visiting, then? No, I don't think so. Thank you, Belle. As you wish. Um, please do knock sharply when you arrive. He's not the sort you want to wake up in a surprise. Thank you, I will. Go well then, madam. And you go off down this hallway now. You have seen things this posh, right? You've seen, you've, you've stolen from everywhere, and you've been just about everywhere in this city, above and below the mist, but uh, here you are, walking along, completely unmolested in the houses of the rich. Just strolling right down a hallway. And on this, on the walls of this hallway hang pieces of art that you know are worth thousands. There's one person sitting at the desk who was very polite and seemed to be armed with an impeccable set of manners. Thousands in art all over the walls here. These people when the appointed number of the suites arrives, it's 308. Lila pushes her hair back over her shoulders and, if necessary, prestidigitates herself so she's at least somewhat tidy, and then knocks. Shakir? It's been about ten minutes since you finished cleaning and sharpening everything up, and you've just been a mess. There is that bottle of whiskey, which you keep under your bed, and you haven't cracked. It's looking pretty good right about now, but you haven't had a drink in years. Probably not a good idea to start in this moment. And you're pondering the wisdom of this decision. When there's a knock at the door. Uh, he, Shakir will look up, obviously not expecting anyone tonight. Um, go to the door. I would assume there's a view hole or something that he can use. 
you walk up and uh, mutter the magic word that came with the that activates the security suite in your suite of rooms because your family has money, Shakir. So you speak the magic activation word and the door goes clear on your side. Delilah is standing there looking at the blank side of the other, the, the blank other side of the door, um, self-consciously fixing her hair. Uh, Shakir's head kind of tilts to the side because how the hell did that happen? Uh, but he will open the door and yeah, let's see where this goes. The door opens, Delilah. I know you gotta be wondering why I'm here and how the hell you were so easy to find. And I can tell you, but I need your help a little bit more. Very well. Come in. And Chica will stand aside and let her enter. Well, the place is as described, Delilah, and uh, it smells like that incense soap that you can buy in the West Markets. And, you know, like the good oil for keeping the wood in good shape. Other than that, there's some cooking smells and, you know, the lingering undercurrent of Bachelor. The place isn't elaborately decorated. You couldn't call it extravagant. But what's there is well-made, durable, and very expensive. I would say there is probably some degree of decoration, artwork, something along those lines. Uh, something very tasteful, whatever Shakir's sister probably feel, felt like the apartment needed. Lila keeps an eye on him after he closes the door and she steps to the side and starts disarming herself, which is a process that's somewhat more elaborate than one might think to look at her for the first time. Uh, and as she unstraps a surprising number of knives, really, she starts talking. So, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean to get you involved in this, but I'm awful glad you were there. I... You, you know they've got Ursa, and we've got a, I've got to find her, you don't have to. But I'm fairly certain if I hadn't already made an enemy of Galia Despard, I have by now, and you probably have too. You probably don't even know who that is. Um, he's... There's kind of a long story, but he and I work together. And I suppose he's one of Thrasher's peers? And he's the one's got Ursa. As if by magic, Delilah, there's the kapwing, kapwing, kapwing. Somebody had really better figure out how to make these things sound like something different, because it's annoying. She holds up a hand to him and Pulls it out of her bag, checking to see who it is. Call from unknown caller. This is tricky because spell phones only work if you have each other's number. How is this happening? Normally I'd ask Ursa, but can't do that right now. Still, Lila sort of squares her shoulders again and answers the phone. Hello? Hello? Delilah? 
we probably shouldn't waste any time with pleasantries. They'll be boring and threaten each other. I'd like you to know that as long as you stay away from Lost Acre, I don't have a beef with you. I made a promise, Despard. Oh, well. Just like your old dad, eh, Lila? I don't know, Despard. You're still alive. He didn't get me either. All right, then. Well, good luck, I suppose. Hey, and tell Ursa I said hi, would you? I'm gonna feed you to her. I didn't think we got along that badly. But okay. Is that all? Just wanted to tell me to stay away from Lost Acre? How... like you. Like I said, you and Ursa stay out of Lost Acre and I don't have a problem. Keep your girls out of there, too. Just keep your whole organization out. Thrasher and I have some business to conduct, and I'd rather you didn't can complicate things. Complication's the only reason worth living, Despard. I was hoping you'd say something like that. Okay, then. Fucking bring it. Beautiful. I cannot wait to own your acre, too. And I'm serious. Next time you see Ursa, tell her I said hi. We always got along. Arabat. Yes. It's like you're out in the country. It's weird because, like, above you, there's only sky here. You can look all around you. It's forest and sky and mountains. There's no towers blocking your view. Yet, the place feels still. For some undescribable reason, it still feels like Bailey Mina. It's almost a vacation. So... You've been standing out, you've been doing your exercises out on the lawn. Everything's a lot more purple around here now. Very nice. Instead of having those very ostentatious Estimondine style gardens, things have suddenly changed in the last week to be more night blooming. And, well, there's a lot of violets and other purple foliage included in the topiary around here nowadays. And it all just happened overnight. Those moons haven't moved in the past few days. Ah, a little crisis in the heavens. Well, I think it just might be when this place is. Very good, okay. Interesting. Very, very dreamlike. A sylph pallet comes flittering through the house and sets himself down on the lawn next to you where you've been doing your stretching. Uh, Master Arabet, sir. Yes? It seems you've received... Well, there's a visitor for you, sir. Does this visitor have a name? Uh, Mr. Doyle, sir. I will see him immediately. I haven't sent through. And presently, there comes the medium. He's, you know, he's about five foot ten. He's got that football-shaped head with the stitches for teeth. And then big yellow eyes, which peek out of that red hood. 
atop that frame, which is all just muscles, just knots of muscles and joints that look like they're made of more muscles and, you know, those long spidery face hugger leg like fingers. Hello? It's been a while. You came back. I told you one of us would leave here alive. It wasn't going to be you. Although, admittedly, I hadn't expected to, to find you here. It's nice to see you again, Marabat. Likewise, Mr. Doyle. But I'm afraid that there's still some business that we've left to discuss, as you understand. So I've come to see if you'd like to appoint a second to witness your demise. Why, of course. I have a person in mind presently. Excellent. My second is a... Well, is a fellow of my long acquaintance. And I... Send a boy to meet your man. We'll arrange the details. Good, good. Have him call on Master Lock Calder. Master Lock Calder, is it? Yes. All right, then. I look forward to seeing you again, Norbert. Indeed. May I ask, will you be dealing with Red Iron? Friend, I only wish to kill you, not destroy you. Very good, thank you. Then I will not do it with cold. I knew you were a classy act the minute I heard of you, Erwin. I can't wait to murder you. It's amazing how friendships go. And with a tug on the side straps of his cap, the red cap bows deeply and walks away. Notable. Just as he bows, you see his shirt fall open, and there, just above where his heart should be, is the healed scar, just about the width of the blade of your rapier. Ah, yes. I sense a trend happening. You hear a slight scuff of shoes on the carpet behind you. And uh, duck and roll just as the gun fires and blows the glass out of the coffee table. I'll spin with my bolters. There's a, well, there's a human male, probably close to 40, a little bit jolly and soft around the neck, really well dressed. Looks, perception? Uh, 21. Kind of like Nari. He's got a pistol, and he's drawing the hammer back again to shoot you. Hey, well met, well met. You get the fuck out of my house! And he lets another shot go that goes wide. And, like, from across the broad lobby, you can hear a vase disintegrate as the bullet smashes into the wall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look look closely, look closely. You know me. Even if you don't know me, I've you never, know me. I've never met you before in my life. Not here you haven't, that's for sure. I, I say, who are you? Back to Ziva, Nari, and Calder. Yes? 
It is also specified in the betrothal, Nari, that she entertain all reasonable suitors, all of the valets of the noble houses have provided their credentials and requested an audience with herself. Okay, so... Okay, so I think I kind of get where you're going with, like, the... the technicality? I'm pretty sure we're on the same wavelength that... But I totally don't mind, like, meeting everybody. I guess learning more stuff about them would be good or whatever. So yeah, I'll go and meet them. I suppose those would be your arrangements to make. Um, excuse me, I, uh, I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to interject, but I do believe here in the dream, um, Zila really shouldn't do anything for herself ever. Oh no? Well, as a lord of the dream, I do suspect you have people for that. Oh you, yeah, I can make you, them like make parties for me and stuff. You you may recall a short discussion we had in the carriage recently. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Um, so I should tell the servants to set me up on dates with, like, everybody so I can meet them all. Uh, Nari, in the language of the betrothal agreement, does it specify that each uh, reasonable uh, suitor must be entertained separately? Do a perception, do an investigation check, Nari. This is a 19 plus 5 for a 24. Nope. It does not specify, no. Well, then Calder will uh, whir and turn back to uh, Ziva and say, Well, if that's the case, I believe uh, a single soiree would meet your obligation. To entertain all the suitors, if uh, if you so choose. Oh yeah, let's just have a great big party. That would be so fun. Nare, how does that sound to you? Yes, I think that would be quite suitable. Well then, Ziva, I guess you get to plan a party. Uh, no, my servants get to plan the party. I'm just going <laughs> to tell them what to do. Fuck yeah, Ziva, take inspiration. <laughs> okay. And she'll go uh, and find a servant and, um, you know, start, start uh, asking questions and giving directions. Funnily enough, as you go walking down the stairs to find you go you go down the stairs and see that all the sorry you go out into the hall and see that all the stairs are huddled around the railing of the balcony, looking down onto the first floor into the big open stair atrium, into the atrium through which the staircase arises. Huh? Be looking at. 
Well, nobody's watching you, so you go stepping out into the hallway. When you look down into the atrium, and uh, you see that some fat nobleman is holding a gun on Arabet. He takes a shot and explodes a vase of flowers. Hey! Oh my god! So, uh, the Lord of Juniper Hill. So happy to make your acquaintance. I am Arabet. From upstairs, there's a hey! Oh, Siva, darling, you're here. May I introduce you to the Violet V. Contest Jr., my lord? He turns around and goes, I'm entertaining the Violet V. Contest Jr. That, sir, is not her. What? The Violet V. Contest Jr. is ten years old. That woman, sir, you will not convince me, is a day younger. And with that, he turns around and locks eyes with you and gives you a suave raised eyebrow and a handsome smile. That woman is not a day younger than 19. Uh-huh. That's quite true, my lord. She is quite marvelous, I assure you. Don't you move or tell me anything in my house, you cad. Yes, my lord. I will blow a hole through you like no problem. Don't think I'll miss again. You don't want... You... Well, you're not my house guest, but... Uh, I like the look of you all kinds. Did you say you were again? I channed out a bit. Not you. Her. You shut up. I'll blow holes in you. What's your name, gorgeous? Don't be so rude to my servant. Well, your servant better not be just lounging about in my house. And I don't remember inviting you anyway. So, I mean... Wait, your house? Yes, this is Juniper Hill. I am the Lord of Juniper Hill. How did we get here? Well, that's as good a question as any. We were just at the villa. What? Yes, the Violet Villa of Juniper Hill. Right, duh. Okay. I see. Uh, look closely, look closely, m'lady. Right. Uh-huh. Does he remind you of anyone? Yeah, he does. God, this is getting tiresome. Don't I have guards or anything? What are the rest of you gawking around for? Go get me somebody and arrest this asshole so I can pay attention to this beautiful woman no, right here. Supposed to be here. We're all supposed to be here. Says you, gorgeous. I'm gonna get to the bottom of that in a minute. Okay, whatever. Arabet, um why don't you come talk to Nari? Why don't you not move, Arabet? Go get this uh, Nari. Nari wouldn't be Nari Hulu, for instance. Yeah, my brother. Oh my god, I fired that fucking shyster. Like, a week ago, I sent him a strong letter. Hadn't heard from him in months. My affairs are a fucking mess. Oh. If right. he's here, and you're here with him, right, sees her too. Hey, wait. That's when the whole staff kind of turns on you. At, on mass. Wait, hang on. 
I'm Ziva. I take one step towards you. And yeah, yeah, you are Ziva. You're not seven feet tall anymore. And this dress doesn't fit. It's a good thing you're still wearing your field clothes. And they are coming for you. Ugh, I hate this stupid dream thing. Yeah. She will uh, whip out her wand and um, just look at everybody, mutter some bell-casting words, and disappear in a little puff of mist. She will appear again next to Arabet, um, where she will grab his hand and run. And I'll wave at him. You port down the stairs. You go right through them and down to the bottom of the landing. You can only do 30 feet with that. So you're going to need to clear 20 more. Okay, then she will also uh, mutter another spell and add a little bit of expeditious retreat to that, uh, increasing her speed. And uh, running as fast as her tiny, tiny elven legs will take her. Ziva steps off the balcony and onto the floor of the main atrium. She then takes her wand down from where she'd raised it high and drops it. With that, there's a sudden surge of motion, and the whole room just kind of jolts a little bit. And the whole room shudders existentially as Ziva drops her wand. There's a sudden rush of motion which stops at her, and then she moves like a shot. Oosh! Initiative all around. 19. Oh dear. Uh, 8. Arabet Juniper Ziva. So we're going to declare Ziva. Ziva, you're running to grab Arabet. You become a purple blur as you hit the ground and launch off with your spell, doubling your foot speed. Juniper looks at Ziva, turns his head back to Arabet, and squeezes the trigger. The hammer connects the firing cap of the shell, and there is a burst of flame at the end of the barrel as everything's going in mullet time. Arabet. Arabet's in motion. I'm going to disarm this guy. What do I have to do to do that? I would like for you to roll an athletics check. 17. Your armor class is 15, right? Correct. All right. So as you spin around, uh, the gun fires, the bullet rips off. You slap your hand down on the gun. But the muzzle flash burns you pretty good. There's a bit of back and forth before Juniper tugs the pistol away from you. Ziva, you come ripping up behind Juniper. You've got two steps before you're right next to Arabet. Okay. Um, as I'm near Juniper... Uh, can I try and smack the gun out of his hand? That would be an athletics check, and you have to beat 18. Uh, okay, this is going to be hard, but she'll try. Nat 20, nat 20, nat 20. No, unfortunately, it's just a 13. All right, so Siva, you go zipping right past him. You reach out to grab the gun out of his hand, but, uh... Yeah, and then I'm going to keep keep going until I get next to Arabet. Right. Well, okay. You've got him flanked, so... Yeah, then I'll stay there. I'll go for the gun again. Opposed athletics. 
um, cunning action, fast hands. At the same time, I'm going to use my bonus action to uh, disarm him of ammunition on his belt or his pocket, wherever he's been pulling it out of. Okay. Roll an 18 on the athletics check. 19! Do you have a bonus? Uh, he's just drunk. No, I don't. And I have uh, 32 on the sleight of hand. Well, the sleight of hand, you def- that definitely works, yeah. You reach down and grab the loaded cylinder, which sits in a pouch on the outside of the holster on his leg. He has no more ammunition beyond what's in the pistol. Anybody been counting rounds? Yep. One, two, three. All right. So, as he takes another shot. Four. Well, this one is a backhanded pistol whip at Ziva. What's your armor class? Uh, twelve. Juniper hooks his finger in the trigger guard, spins the pistol around, and brings it down in a savage whipping motion. Sensor staggering back a couple of steps. Ow! Oh my god, that hurt! Simultaneously, Arabette reaches down and steals the cylinder out of his pouch. Ugh, that hurt. Top of the round. Nari. Calder. Somebody is shooting in the main room. Like Ziva went out a minute ago, and now they're shooting, and people gasping. And there's a great big hullabaloo. Roll your initiative if you want to get into this. Oh, definitely. Eleven. Uh, fifteen plus two, seventeen. Oh. Top of the round. Arabesque. Is there an away? No. Okay, I know what I'm going to do. This time I bring the bolter and my my bolter up. And I get it under his chin. All right. Roll your attack, but don't do any damage. Uh, 28. That'll do. You bring the thing up under his chin. Next up is him. He's taking a swing at Ziva. When he turns around to swing at you, you've already got, you bring your bolter up under his chin. He brings the pistol around in his hand, but it's down off by his side. Ziva, you've got your, like, your hand goes up your forehead reflexively. Just then, Calder. Yes. You shoulder your way through the crowd at the top of the landing. Excellent. You come rolling up in time to see Ziva stumble back a step or two, and then Juniper spin the pistol around as though he's going to shoot Arabet with it, only to turn around to a bolter right underneath his chin. He stops short. What do you do? Well, um, uh, I, I respond. What I mean that is I'm not carefully thinking what I'm doing. So I had uh, started to work on um, some uh, mechanical methods or uh, artifice methods on uh, Thorn Whip, which is uh, one of the cantrips I, I just picked up. Uh, but I think what's going to happen is I'm just going to throw my arm out or my, my one arm out uh, in his direction and uh, a little slot will open up and basically a long length of barbed cable will come shooting out and uh, I'll try to hit him. How's that sound? It works beautifully. Rips out like exactly according to what you would 
been designing. It works perfectly. If you had thought of the concertina wedgies on the wire, you would have had this gimmick done months ago. Beautiful. Uh, I roll a 14, and I get a plus 6 on that, so it's a total of 20 to hit. All right, well, so he turns around. Arabet's bolter is underneath his chin. Uh, you grab his pistol arm with your thorn whip and haul on it. Roll damage. Uh, a total of uh, six points of damage. All right, he lands hard. Arabet, you adjust the trajectory of your bolter to aim at his face. Nari, you're up. And uh, do I recognize this uh, this fella? On the ground now? Yeah, you spent a long time coming up with his foibles and quirks, and man, he had a lot of weird sex. It was a lot of fun to be him. Hulu! You son of a bitch! What is the meaning of this? Didn't I fire you? Top of the round, Arabettes. I hold the bead on the uh, Juniper Hill guy. He doesn't move, Nari. You are slowly and ex- inexorably drawn downstairs by a will not your own who seems to be controlling your limbs. There's a murderous bloodthirst rising somewhere beside your consciousness. You don't feel it full on, but you know it's in there, man. Because it's using your endocrine system. I know you like that. Like you can leave that... Job's worth of this fucking pig, Nari. One of them's gotta go. It's up to you. Well, if I see uh, Ziva is being hurt by this uh, by this mook, then I think uh, while he's on the ground, I will give him a bit of a kicking. Ziva? Yes? There was one time, one time only, when you were a girl, that uh, this bigger boy put his hands on you. You'd never have seen your brother. Like, he just couldn't talk. He just didn't talk. He didn't say anything. He just punished that kid, right? Just Mm -hmm. fucking let him have it with both boots until he couldn't walk anymore. You've only ever seen Nari lose control like that on that one occasion until now. I give Nari a look like it's kind of sweet. Like, aw, you're beating up a guy for me. Yeah, and then all the color falls out of his hair, which turns into tufts and sprays and, and, and braids. Long and short and spiky. And... What? Make, uh... Oh, what kind of check am I going to make you do there? How about a wisdom save, Nari? That is a 13. Oh, Boogie's pushing hard, man. Hang on, sorry, that's a 16. Okay, but you've got it. Perhaps, like, your feet are getting sore now. Like, these shoes are not meant for kicking the shit out of people. So you've probably sprained a couple toes. The rest of you, Nari lays a Tony Soprano shit kicking on this guy. All right. Is there anything left? He's rolling around and uh, bleeding out of several broken hearts by the time Nari stops kicking the perceptive will notice that Nari is walking and favoring his right foot uh yeah the, the couple of those toes are probably broke Nari cost of doing business fair enough uh is my thorn still attached to this guy at all 
you reeled that back aside. You reeled that back uh, once you realized Nari needed room to work. Fair enough. How uh, how far away is this guy from me now? You've moved down to the. You've moved down to uh, be able to cover any needed avenues. Fair so enough. So he's within reach. Uh, well, in that case, uh, I'm going to uh, lean in and uh, give him a good old shot in the grass. All right. So, Nari, as you're limping off, this shit-kicking you've given your foot for a second and growling under your breath, Calder reaches down and tasers this dude with his knuckles. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> After all I've done for you, Hulu. After all the things I've shown you, the ends I gave you in the society, you piece of shit. Nari, do you know this guy? I was his fucking patron for years. And then you went and pistol whipped my sister. That pistol is in Nari's hand, by the way. Two rounds left in it. How it got there, nobody knows. Well, I know what I'm not telling with all his broken teeth and his twisted nose, Juniper looks at you with your face and smiles. Fuck you. You're garbage. You'll always be garbage, you piece of shit. So rude. I certainly, if even the part of what he says is correct, can't be trusted with something like this. And I'll hand the pistol off to Ziva. Ah, there. I'll take it um, and just I don't really know what to do with it um, I kind of look at it like it's uh, a revolver it's a big heavy ugly thing Siva it's not elegant at all this is a piece of manufacture now the one thing you do like about it and let's be honest this is made to kill things, and it is very fucking good at it. Now, it's not as elegant as, you know, a properly honed knife that has been designed for the thing. These things are made by machines, but oh my god, this thing, it, it really is good at it. You, you can't deny it its effects, right? Like, it's a very effective killing machine. It's, it, it, it's a fucking limerick where everything you do is a poem, but... You know, there once was a man for man talking. <laughs> I don't really like this thing. I don't know what to do with it. Arabet. I'll hand it off to him. I'll take it. And uh, put it in my waistband. Look down at the row of Juniper Hill and say, Well... Looks like everybody else likes you somewhat. I'd shut up, though, because I'm starting not to like you, and I was the one who kept you alive for so long. Fucking street rat piece of shit breaking my house. Oh, my God. What is going on? Do you know who I am? Do you know what's going to happen to all of you? You, like, this is such a mess. Uh, Have you got any idea how many heads are going to roll if I don't get some satisfaction here? You want some satisfaction? 
You're goddamn right I do, you fucking babe. All right. I'll give you some satisfaction. And I pistol whip him. Over onto his fucking face. Oh, my God. That was satisfying. So it was. I discovered something. Right here in this solar atrium, we're in the winter. Wait, what? Yes, it's dead winter. The moons are almost aligned for, well, for New Year. Yeah, Yeah, it's almost my birthday, too. And with that, he just spits out a couple of teeth, pushes himself up up onto his knees. Go ahead and do it if you're getting your piece of shit. You won't survive. I thought we hadn't been to winter. Yes. You see, this is the other aspect, I think. And I point out the piece of shit on the floor. Oh. Wait, me? Not you. Him. Nari. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He's, like, not very nice. But I... I'm just super confused as to why he was all mad at us for being here when we're supposed to be here. Because you stunned cunt, this is my fucking house. I hand the pistol back. (sighs) Yeah. She would just shoot him in the face. Roomlanders was recorded live and curated by DM Mad Adam. All of the usual people played all of the usual roles, and you can find out more about who they are, who their characters are, and all the little Easter eggs that I scatter through these episodes at Roomlanders.com. Like what you hear? We'd love to know what you think. If you like us, tell your friends. If you don't, let us know why. Find us on Twitter at CastTheRunes. Send an email to RuneLanders at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at RuneLanders. Next time on RuneLanders, we're going to have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We're back in two weeks. We'll see you then. Till next time, take good care. (laughs) 